Welcome to episode 27 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, in our last episode, we had a discussion about bad managers and how they can impact the people who serve with a nonprofit. So we're going to shift a little bit today. Today, we're going to talk about bad teams or ineffective teams or maybe just plain old dysfunctional teams. Um, and we've we've had lots of team experiences. Nathan, I'm wondering in in all your years in nonprofit, I'm sure you've had lots of team experiences. So, what's the best team you've experienced, and what made it the best in your in your mind? You know, the one of the best teams I was ever part of. My wife Missy and I are are part of the marriage mentoring program at our church, and we're on the the leadership team. And a couple of years ago. Well, actually, it was uh, a couple of years before COVID, so I guess that was three or four years ago. But anyway, um, we were going to put on a uh, an all day uh, marriage uh, seminar or uh, a class, an all day workshop. It's called a workshop, and we started planning this. the The group, the leadership team, there's four couples, and we started planning it. Oh, like a year in advance. And the, what was, what made it such a great team, I think, first of all, is we had fun. We, the, the planning meetings were fun and we laughed and we joked and it just, it just was a pleasant experience in that whole year that we led up to it. And then the day of, I think everybody, all of us, I think there was four, four couples, so eight people, five, maybe every one of us had an understanding of what our role was, what our job was. And some of the people, you know, their role was out in front on, on stage. And during the day, some people, their role was back behind the scenes. Nobody even knew that they were doing things. And each person, it was kind of, everybody had the right seat on the bus. You know, the, the, the people that were out front were, were very good at that. And the people behind the scenes were very good at what they did. And so everybody knew their role and everybody was very good at what they did. And we ended up delivering just a phenomenal product. It, it was the day went perfect. It was just the way we had planned it. The feedback from the, the people that were, that were sitting in the audience was excellent. And I think it just, it was planned. Well, we had fun. Everybody knew what they were supposed to do and everybody did an excellent job executing on their job. And I think that's what made it a great team. Well, that sounds great. I mean, I appreciate uh, you really pulled out some key things and I hope maybe you guys were taking notes in that, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to jump in and, and talk about this. Yeah, let's hop into it. So as a leader of a small profit, nonprofit, your first question might be <laughs> what team? I don't have any team. It's just me. <laughs> and I, you know, as the many of the organizations I've been part of, many of the organizations I've led, that has been the case. It's been just me. And uh, so maybe you're saying that, or maybe you've just hired your, your first staff person uh, and trying to figure out how to lead them besides yourself, or or maybe you even have some volunteers that are just very faithful, very committed, and are helping you in a way that maybe staff people normally would. But whatever your team looks like, as the leader, it is your responsibility to lead them to effectiveness. So let's start with what makes a bad team. Patrick Lencioni wrote a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And Tim and I both highly recommend this book. And according to Patrick, here are the five dysfunctions that he points out in the book. 
So let me jump in and just uh, we'll, we'll go through each one and give some of our, our input. So the first the first dysfunction of a team has to do with an absence of trust. And there's an absence of trust on the team. And, and that comes kind of maybe in two forms, Nathan. Uh, the first is there's a, a lack of trust of the leader, which doesn't feel good if that's you leading the team. <laughs> Leadership is, our, sorry, trust of a leader is earned. It's not, it's not demanded. And many, many leaders go, hey, I, I'm in charge. I, you know, I have the title, so you need to trust me. But the idea is, is that, that trust is earned, not demanded. And so there needs to be some time. There needs to be some um, demonstration that you are, that you're worthy of trust. Yeah. And, and Tim, the, the trust there's any leadership books. Oh my gosh. Google, you know, leadership books. And there are tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of books on leadership and some are better than others. And, and reading those books are definitely, you know, Tim and I, that's something that, that we both do a lot. And we definitely recommend uh, reading because leaders are are readers. And so we definitely recommend that. I do think you can boil down this issue of trust into something very simple. And that is, it, it, it's something that's done every day, you know, and it's done one interaction at a time. You, you can't, uh, bulk up on, on trust or, or try to be, you know, negative today and negative yesterday and negative the day before. And then all of a sudden do something, you know, that that's building trust with your, with your staff or your volunteer or your board, and then expect the last three days to go away. It, it's an everyday role of communicating with staff and volunteers and caring about them and being part of their lives. That is how you build trust one day at a time. And that trust, the lack of trust is not only in the leader, but it also can be just a lack of trust with each other, with the team. You know, a a dysfunctional team does not trust the members of the team together. And and there's there's not openness and there's not vulnerability because I don't know whether I can, can trust you if I'm honest and I'm open. I don't know whether I can trust you to come through. And so when there's a lack of trust, um, the team is not effective. They're not no. able to do, you know, the things that they need to do to fulfill the mission of the organization. So that's one of the first things a team lacks. Uh, there's just a lack of trust there. The second dysfunction that Lencioni brings up is the fear of conflict. And I think as we both, <laughs> we both know, there aren't many people who really, really enjoy conflict, unless you're on Facebook or Twitter or something right. like that. Yeah, right? Yeah, everybody loves conflict there because they, <laughs> you know, they're faceless and nameless. But right. uh, yeah, but mostly sitting down face to face across a across a conference room table, most people don't enjoy conflict. But one of the things that that Lencioni is bringing out is that a, a fear of conflict is the lack of unfiltered uh, and passionate debate of ideas you know, really working through things, you know, being willing to share different ideas. And I think it happens at a couple, a couple levels. One is, um, and you mentioned this last, last episode, Nathan, that oftentimes when we have top-down leadership, top-down leadership doesn't allow for debate or discussion. It's kind of like, 
I think you used the term on the last episode, my way or the highway. <laughs> and so you kind of get in there into these discussions and you really don't have a voice because the leader is kind of saying this way it's going to be. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I think back to the 80s um, when the, the media had some of these big, huge um, leader or, uh, in the for-profit world, these these big, bigger than life uh, company CEOs, you know, Lee Iacocca with Chrysler and and he came in and just changed you know, everything and, and took Chrysler from the brink of, of uh, bankruptcy and brought them back to a, a thriving company. But he did it in this culture of, you know, I'm right and don't question me. And so when he left, there was this void that took place, uh, this void of leadership, because everybody had gotten so used to him and demanding that we're going to do it this way. And and that happens in nonprofits as well. And I think if you're a, if you're a uh, a nonprofit leader and try this sometime, just when you're, when you're pulled your team together, whether again, whether they're staff or volunteers, whatever, and ask what, what do you think uh, about a topic? And if nobody answers, maybe, maybe you've got a fear of conflict issue going on there. I think the other thing, the other fear of conflict is that if there is opportunity to discuss ideas, sometimes it can become too personal. So rather than debating the conflict and wrestling through the issue, um, it becomes personal. It's like, well, you're stupid because you think that or or something like that. Surely that would never happen in, in that kind of a discussion. But you and I have both been in those places, right? Right. Well, you can, even though maybe somebody doesn't say that outright, but if your team is afraid of that or feels if they say something they will be thought of as stupid. It's the same. It's the same end result. So it it's even if it's not overtly said, if your team thinks that you know in the back of their head, it, it's going to impact your team. We have the absence of trust. We have a fear of conflict. the The third dysfunction has to do with a lack of commitment, and that really is the idea of that your team is bought into the mission. And the work that you're trying to do, the reason that you exist as an organization, or even the reason that you exist uh, as a team, the things that you're trying to do. And, and sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, or, or whatever. But um, it, it's not a shared commitment. It's not saying, hey, we're in this, we're in this together, um, whether that's the mission, the plan, the focus, whatever it is. If you're not bought into it, then the result is team members are doing whatever they want. Right. And or you've got you've got team members that are, you know, you have one direction that the, the you know, one vision, one mission that the organization is going on. And if you have, you know, 10 people on the boat uh, of you know staff, volunteers, contractors, whatever the case may be, and everybody's rowing in a different direction. You're, you're you're either you're not going to get to where you're going you're never going to hit the, the the mission or you're it's going to take you a lot longer to get there with a lot more effort and yeah everybody's got to be going in the same direction with the same shared excitement and uh vision of where we're going i think that happens when the 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 mission and the vision isn't clear so if you don't really have a sense of what you're trying to do, you might say, "Oh yeah, okay, I, yeah, I'm with you," but if it's not clear, I can't buy into it. 
I don't know exactly what I what I'm doing. And so the leader has to make sure that if you want commitment, then then the vision and the mission, the direction needs to be very clear. Yeah. You know, uh, recently, Tim, I was watching a uh, event. It was an online event that an organization had, and they had one of their program officers was talking and it, they had filmed a video and they were showing it as part of the festivities of the evening. And this program officer was talking about how the the deliverables that that his program was delivering was was his responsibility and and he talked about how important it was to him personally that his program hit the 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 goals that they had and the metrics that they had and it just it, it really was obvious that this that this person this staff person had a personal commitment to success for his program, which ultimately would lead to success for the organization. And it was just, I, I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be with him. I, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be on that guy's team. And uh, it was just obvious that that level of commitment was there for him. Well, I think the lack of commitment leads to the fourth dysfunction, and that's the avoidance of responsibility. So it's the idea that the actions, the values, the work, the attitude, maybe just a lack of accountability is just, um, it's just, it screams, I'm not taking responsibility. <laughs> it's not up to me, you know? And so we begin to see team, team members, they don't feel a responsibility for the work that they're doing or for deadlines or for the projects that need to be, be done. It's like, yeah, whatever. I'm kind of doing my own thing. And so I'm just avoiding responsibility. I, I was thinking about as I as I as I read this and, and thought about it, I remember in one of my in one of my roles, I was visiting our program teams around the world. And I remember sitting in this this team setting. It was a, it was a larger team doing some really important work. And there was I remember there was one a uh, guy who just recently joined the team, probably in two or three months. And so I was sitting in this team meeting and they were talking about challenges and kind of where they were at. But I remember this guy very clearly as he was making his contribution to this meeting, he kept saying, you know, you you all have a problem. You have a problem with this. And he kind of said that like three or four times as he was trying to communicate some of the things he was seeing and what's going on. You all have a problem. <laughs> and I was like, I went up to him afterwards and I said, I just, I just need to ask a question. Um, are are you are you part of this team? Are you a member of this team? <clears throat> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if there's a problem, I would think that it's we have a problem. Not you have a problem. We have a problem. And so it's the idea of, well, hey, I'm not taking responsibility for it. It's not my thing. And and again, if there's not a lack, if there's not a commitment to the vision and mission and all that, it's really easy for me to just kind of put off to the side. It it doesn't impact me. Um, And that that can be a real challenge. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great example. And you know, in my, as I've said on our, our past uh, podcast episodes and my, my, my role in nonprofit world. And, you know, I currently serve as the executive director, but my background is fundraising and that, and that is always the lens that I look through. That's my 
that is my uh, default lens. And so when it comes to the program side and the finance side and some of these other areas of running a nonprofit, I have to be very intentional about making sure that I have my program lens on and my finance lens on and these other lenses at the appropriate time. But several years ago, I was I was uh, running the the uh, fundraising program for an organization. It was an international organization. We had programs going on all over the world. And I would go out multiple times a year and visit these programs so that I had a really good idea of, of what they were doing. And I could come back and talk to donors about them. And we were in a, kind of a similar situation. We were in a staff meeting for that, for that program site. And people, people never really understood what I did. And they just knew that I had something to do with money. And so it was very often a us versus them. So I was an outsider. And so a lot of times I had to, to really uh, talk with people to, to, so that they understood. It's like, no, we're, we're together. We're, we're, uh, we're on the same team here. And, you know, you are doing this wonderful work on the program side and this amazing stuff, but it takes revenue, you know, it takes dollars or, you know, it takes money to be able to do that. And that's my job is to make sure you have the financial resources you need to do your job, but I need help from you. I need, you know, stories and I need examples of, of, of how this program is making an impact. And once they had that understanding, it was a, they did a much better job of giving me stories and giving me feedback. And then I was able to do a better job to help them have the revenue they need. And I think it was a good example, I think, Tim, of, of, most people, most of the time, want to do what's good and they want to do what's right. And they want to be a, you know, a, a, a good producing member of the team that most people, most of the time want to do that. There's, there's a few bad eggs out there and you're always going to run into those people. But if you, if you set forth a shared uh, opportunity or, you know, a shared vision of success, most people want it to get on board with that. If you have those things in place, there's actually mutual accountability for the work that's being done. It's not just the leader saying, hey, come on, pull your weight, you know, get it together. But if you, you know, if you are taking responsibility, if you are focused on these things, then mutually you work together to lift each other up and to, and and to hold each other accountable to the things that, that that need to happen. Yeah, and if you're if you're hearing the phrase "that's not my job" or "that's not my role" or "that's a, if 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 you if you're hearing that amongst your team, you know you've got a problem. <laughs> and it's interesting. It's not necessarily they build on each other, but you kind of see how they work together. So if you have lack of trust, then you're not going to be able to to really talk through thoughts and ideas. You're not. You, the, there's no commitment then to what you're trying to do. Everybody kind of avoids responsibility and taking, you know, taking responsibility for what they're doing, which leads to number five dysfunction, which is an inattention to results. And that means that we're not really looking and and measuring our work. Is our team being productive? Is it being effective? Are we doing the things that we're set up, we're set up to do? And so there's not a commitment to the team. There's not a commitment to, to the work that we're trying to do. Everybody's kind of focused on their own individual results. You see that in sports sometimes, I think, don't you? You know, 
Oh, yeah. Where it's like, hey, I've got these things. I got to, if I'm going to make money, I've got to do my own thing. So instead of passing the ball when somebody's open, I'm going to take the shot, even if it's a really crappy shot, you know? And, um, and so you, you forget why do we exist? One of the places where this comes up in the nonprofit world, in our sector, when you when you start adding staff on, there is our industry is very transient. The the tenure of nonprofit staff, especially as you get up into leadership positions, is very short. I mean, we're talking months. I think the the average uh, tenure for a, a, a fundraiser is like four, less than two years. I don't know what mm. it is currently, but it's very short time. And you, it's very easy to get, to become a stair step. And so, you know, I'm going to work here for 12 months. I'm going to get another skill. And then it's going to be my next step to my next uh, place. And that just breaks down a a team and it becomes a, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be responsible for my own self, but the rest of y'all are on your own and you're going to have to figure out your own stuff. And so if you're if you can't be focused as a team on those organizational goals, again, you're never you're never going to thrive as an organization. And again, the key as a leader is to make sure that the team goals and the team mission is is clear, so everybody knows what to to do. But a team is very dysfunctional if there's no we. It's only me. It's yep. only focused on me. I, I want to say these things one more time. And you know, again, we're talking about. A dysfunctional team, an ineffective team, is one where there's an absence of trust, where there's a fear of conflict, being able to really talk about ideas, a lack of commitment uh, to the mission and to the work, an avoidance of responsibility for your part in a team. You know, you mentioned, Nathan, that one of the things that was good about your experience was that everybody kind of knew what their role was and, and was was showing up and was doing it, whether it was out front or whether it was behind the scenes. And then the last one is an inattention to, to results, you know, really measuring the work that, that we're trying to do. Tim, one more thing on inattention, the results. I think that it goes back to, we, we started this uh, conversation today by uh, saying, whatever your team looks like as a leader, it's your responsibility to lead them to effectiveness. And on inattention to results, again, that goes back to the leader to to celebrate those results and to talk about those results and to uh, to point those out. I think part of the goes back to the the success of that team that I talked about on the marriage mentoring is we we knew what our role was and so we knew what success looked like and that makes it that was part of the fun was going closer and closer and closer to the day to the uh, Saturday that we did it, you start to see things come together and it just built excitement among the team. So again, that goes back to the leader. You know, it's really hard for Nathan and I to talk about these things because we want to get, we want to get to the solutions. (laughs) We want to get to the steps (laughs) to tell you what to do. And not so much that we're the experts on what to do, but we share out of our experience and our heart and our passion because we know how important the work that you're doing is. Um, our world needs your leadership and your organization to show up. There are enough challenges around the world or in our local communities that are desperate for good leadership and effective organizations and teams who know 
what needs to be done. But we needed to start with, <laughs> where are we? Where's the problem? And so maybe this sounds like a team that you've been on or maybe that you're currently leading and there are things that are that are coming into your mind going, oh, yeah, I remember that, or oh, no, we've got a problem right now. And so, so, so here's the challenge that we're going to leave you with, what Nathan just said. The challenge is this, is that if you are the leader, it is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. It is Nathan's responsibility in the organizations that we're involved in. If we are the leader, it is our responsibility to create the environment and lead the team to effectiveness. And our actions really do matter. So in our next episode, we're going to get to the good stuff. We're going to share some actions and some ideas that can take your team from bad uh, to good to maybe very good, a team that is effective and impactful. And we'll look forward to sharing those ideas and those thoughts and our experience on our next episode. Are you struggling with any of the issues we talked about today? Are there some other areas that you know you need help with, but you're stuck and don't know what to do? You can go to nonprofitleader.online and leave us a message or our emails are in the show notes. Also, can we ask a favor? It would help to get our message out to nonprofit leaders who haven't heard about us if you could leave us a review on the platform on which you are listening. That would be most helpful. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.